This is the Stuff You Missed, Best of 99.9 The Fan Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here is your host for the Stuff You Missed Podcast, Dennis Cox. Coming up on today's show, Wake Forest head football coach Dave Clawson has made a decision about the upcoming season. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey joined Golik and Wingo. And UNC head football coach Mack Brown stopped by the OG. Wake Forest head football coach Dave Clawson said he'll be isolating himself from his wife, Catherine, once football camp opens for the team on July 12th, and he doesn't expect to return home until the season ends. Catherine is a cancer survivor, and due to a reduced white blood cell count, she is at higher risk for complications if she were to contract COVID-19. Clawson said, quote, I love coaching, but I love my wife more. There's no way I'm going to do anything that would put her at risk, end quote. On the Adam Gold Show, Adam talked about the decision by Clawson. Uh, that is a minimum of five months. That's like five and a half months. Right? Half of July, August, September, October, November. No, four and a half months. So we're to four and a half months. No, you're fit. What? It feels like the opposite of what everyone else is doing. Right. Well, here's the. Like the ones that are concerned are like, I think I'm going to stay because I don't want to do that. <laughs> here's He's like, quote. nah, I'm going to go anyway. Here's a quote from Dave Clawson. I love coaching. But I love my wife more. Right. And there's no way I'm going to put her at risk. I love coaching and I love my wife more. So I'm going to go coach. <laughs> I mean, you. I don't. Okay. This producer, Alec Campbell, also weighs in. I don't like to get into people's relationships too much because maybe they have a dynamic that is conducive for this type of thing. Like maybe she's cool with that and that works for them. You know, so if it is good for them and he's able to, you know, maintain his relationship with his wife and also still do his job, then I guess I respect that. But it just when I read that, I thought the same thing. Like, okay, this is sort of (laughs) not whatever. Like every other athlete you hear is like, yeah, it's really risky. And I don't want to be away from my family from that long. And I don't want to put them at risk. So I'm going to stay home as opposed to. So I'm going to go. Gold points out how Clawson isn't the only coach making this choice. James Franklin at Penn State, by the way, is doing the same thing. His young daughter has sickle cell, so he doesn't want to put her at risk. So he's staying away. So he's just going to coach football. Just going to coach football. Okay, I, look, I'm not. I wonder how many people are going to go. Wow, wait a second. I could, I could like go do what I want for uh, for uh, for four months. Okay, I'm going to go do that. Yeah. Okay, fine. Whatever. How much golf is Clawson going to get in? <laughs> Football coaches yeah, I know. only they burn a candle. They eat tape. Right. They, they all have devour, beds in their office, right? They devour tape. Yes, James Franklin will stay on a cot in his office, I'm sure. The aforementioned Franklin joined Golik and Winga this morning to talk about his decision. We're fortunate as a family that we do have a, a second home, um, and I know not everybody has that option, so let me let me lead with that. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we were in Florida. We have a place in Florida. Uh, we've been there basically for the last couple months. Um, you know, my wife has been extremely, um, you know, sensitive to all of this. And we have been, uh, I, when I tell you, when I tell you, we have not left our property in, in months, um, you know, we would, we would order our groceries to be delivered. They'd sit outside for a certain period of time. We'd wipe them down. Franklin points out health concerns with his family. Uh, our youngest, we have two daughters. They're 11 months apart. One is 12 and one is 13. 
and our youngest daughter has sickle cell disease, not trait. She's got the full-blown disease. So for us, you know, our child's experience is a little bit different than than most. Um, so, you know, everything that you have to worry about with your child um, is just heightened for us. So if our daughter gets a fever, uh, she's in the hospital for 48 hours. That's that's been her entire life until it clears. For 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 us, that would probably be in our best interest for our family to stay in Florida and for us to be apart, you know, for the at least the first half of the year. Franklin also says it's impossible to completely eliminate the risks. We got to do everything we possibly can do to keep everybody as self, as safe as as we can, um, you know, and and then with that. People have choices to make. Our players have choices to make. The staff has choices to make. You know, um, local government's got choices to make. Fans have choices to make. You know, and the reality is we can't reduce all risk. That, that's, that's just a reality, and that's always the case. You know, you're going to take on some risk. But the thing that you have to do is you have to be educated and you have to be informed. And I'm a big believer in science, and I'm a big believer in listening to experts. And then, and then make the best choices we possibly can make. Dennis Cox here with you. This is Stuff You Missed. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey joined Golik and Winger this morning to talk about his decision to not have SEC championships played in the state of Mississippi while there's still a Confederate symbol on their state flag. And it would be a policy step that I would recommend to our conference officially, but we have not... Um, we have not considered a state with a Confederate emblem and an official display um, to host our predetermined championships. And this began for me back in 2015, uh, five years ago this month when I first became commissioner. And the state of South Carolina had the Confederate battle flag displayed on its state capitol. Change happened. Governor Nikki Haley was great in leading people and bringing them together. And our women's basketball tournament has now played in Greenville, South Carolina. NCAA basketball tournaments have returned to that state. So there are great opportunities out there, and we want to see the positive. We want to be encouraging uh, as part of this change and, and are certainly hopeful that it can be accomplished. Sankey also commented on Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach and Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin speaking about the flag needing to be changed. I give a great deal of credit to the leaders of the universities and colleges in the state of Mississippi who who showed up to make a clear statement about the need for change. And, and uh, Nikki McCray, who's a new women's basketball coach at Mississippi State, and Kermit Davis, the men's basketball coach at Ole Miss, I think were both eloquent in having the opportunity to share thoughts on behalf of themselves and their colleagues uh, of the need for change and to remove the symbol and, and create uh, what is a, a more welcoming environment in the state that, that in many ways has been welcoming and, and just has had that symbol in here for decades and decades. Switching over to the NFL, New Orleans Saints safety Malcolm Jenkins had these comments to say regarding health and safety protocols in the NFL, stating how football is a, quote, non-essential business. The NBA is a lot different than, than the NFL because they can actually quarantine all of their players um, or whoever is going to participate, where we have over 2,000 players, even more coaches and staff. We can't do that. And so we are end up being kind of on this uh, trust system where uh, the honor system where we just have to hope that guys are social distancing and things like that. And that puts all of us at risk, not only you know us as players and who's in the building, but when you go home to your families. Uh, I, you know, I have parents that I don't want to get sick. And I think until we get to the point where 
we have protocols in place. And until we get to a place as a country where we feel safe doing it, we have to understand that football is a non-essential business. Uh, and so we don't need to do it. And so the risk, uh, you know, has to uh, be, be really eliminated before we before I would feel comfortable with going back. Trey Wingo on Golik and Wingo says it's not that simple. On the base level, he's 100%. Right. Yes, yes, he is. I mean, the country can move forward without football. And the difference of the NBA and the NFL. Massive. Right. It's just a, it's a much more moving, it's a much bigger target to try and move. A couple of things. It's not going to be eliminated. Well, it's it, never going to be. The, the risk is never going to be eliminated. ESPN football analyst Dan Rolofsky on Golik and Wingo says football is essential to a lot of people in the league. A great majority of the NFL guys live paycheck to paycheck. They are not just taking care of their family. They're taking care of their families, plural, family members. And so it's essential because those guys that are at the third year of their career, this might be the last year that they can make that $500,000 or $600,000. They need this season. And that's why those guys are going to sit there and go, wait, this is the only opportunity I have to make that money. Tell me where and when. Tell me what I have to do. I'll quarantine myself for 150 days or 180 days away from my family because that's the only way I'll make my money. My wife is going to agree with that as well. And so, you know, if, if you're a guy who's in your fourth year and it's a contract year for you and you have to go perform to receive that, that, that second contract, you're going to be like one and where. Mike Golick Sr. says individual states should have a say in protocol. In, in my opinion, anyway, they can't give an overall rule unless they say if one person can do it, nobody can do it. But that wouldn't I wouldn't do that either. Yeah. Leave it up to the cities. Yeah. You know, if you're I mean, I don't know what's going on in Texas now. We know the governor basically said you can fill a quarter or a half of the stadium. Now, all of a sudden, they're basically shutting down the state again right. because of the, of the spike that they had. So I don't know where they are. But if your if your state allows fans and you have a plan like we heard a while ago from the Miami Dolphins who said they actually put a plan together for 15, 20, 25,000 people. Now, if the state will allow them, we have no idea. Right. But, but if you're allowed to do it and you feel you have a plan to do it and you want to try and do it, I, I think that would be the right way to go is leave it up to the individual teams in their cities on is it allowed. Dennis Cox here with you. This is Stuff You Missed, the best of 99.9 The Fan. On the other side, UNC football coach Mac Brown joined the OG. More talks about the NBA bubble. And Renee Montgomery joined Golik and Wingo to explain why she fights for social justice. You know that and more coming up next. UNC head football coach Mac Brown joined the OG this afternoon, and he talked about his players coming back in waves and the safety protocols that they need to follow. There's not a playbook, so every day uh, a new set of questions come up and you have to get a new set of answers. So it's it's uh, uh, it keeps everybody uh, it keeps everybody on their toes. Uh, but also, it's uh, ours has worked really well. The the medical teams have uh, determined a phase in program, and they brought different numbers of uh, our student athletes back to campus for football uh, each Friday over the last three Fridays, and and then. Uh, this Friday as well, and then Monday we'll have another group coming in, and we'll have our full 120 on campus, and uh, um, the results have been good as they've come back in. I'm really proud of our team and our staff. Brown talked about the first time he was hired by UNC, the athletic director there at the time, current ACC Commissioner John Swafford. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm appreciative of John that he hired me. Number one, I was the athletics director and, and head coach at Tulane, 
and then John hired me here, and my record wasn't very good. Uh, John and I had become friends through athletic director meetings, really, more than, than anything else. And then when I took the, the program, I promised him I would stay three years. If, if he would promise me, I could stay five. Uh, and I didn't realize we were going to start out two and 20. And then, in fact, I told John at the end of two and 20 once, I think, you know, this isn't working. Why don't you go get somebody else? And he said, in, in a joking way, nobody else going to take this job right now as bad as it is. So you need to just hang in here and keep doing what you're doing. He talks about their relationship today. Uh, John has uh, continued to be a tremendous friend. Uh, I talk to him all the time. Um, he is uh, he has been very careful, and I would never put him in a position uh, to to an awkward position over North Carolina and our friendship and being the commissioner of the league. Um, he knows that he, he he would do what's best for the league anyway, not what was best for me because that's the integrity that he has. Brown comments on how the league has grown. For me to have been in this league um, before for 10 years and see Florida State being at it at that time, but still it was kind of Florida State and the rest of us when it would come to the BCS to where we are now where there are a lot of national championships that come out of this league every year. He's done a tremendous job, and he will really be missed. Atlanta Dream Guard Renee Montgomery of the WNBA joined Golik and Winger this morning to talk about her decision to sit out this season to fight for social justice. It's not only black people fighting for this cause anymore. You know, you used to see sit-ins, you used to see walkouts, and it was majority white, black if not all black. Now you see just a lot of diversity in these protests, a lot, lot, lot of young people at these protests. And so that's encouraging. Young people have almost been a hands-off approach, you know, like, oh, that's politics. We're not going to get into it. Now young people are starting to voice their opinions and, and being heard. So I think that that's key. And then also that now is different cultures fighting for this same cause. She discusses her inspiration from Maya Moore. She did it before it was a thing. You know, that's yeah. why people that are pioneers and trailblazers, they deserve all the respect they get because they did it before it was the norm. You know, right now in America – Everyone understands that, yeah, we got to fix this. This is not okay. We just watched a man get murdered on TV. So people, we all understand that now. It's, it's a common knowledge. She did it two years ago. Colin Kaepernick did it four years ago. That They were ahead of their time. So absolutely, I think about that. And I always talk about it so that people know I'm not the first. And I'm probably not going to be the last, but I want them to know who the first was. Frank Isola of Around the Horn on ESPN joined Golik and Wingo, and he says things might be hard for NBA players in the bubble. It's still a sacrifice that they're making. It's something they're not used to, being away for that long. It's not going to be easy for them. That's why I think if you talk to a lot of NBA people, coaches, players, yes, the team that is you know in great health, that's going to help. The team that's playing at a high level, that'll help. But they also think the teams that could be mentally focused because it's going to be a bit of a drain being there for that long, guys could go a little stir-crazy because it's something that they've never done before. Isola says the big question revolves around positive tests. What would happen in a scenario if you got to a finals and the top players or you know, the, on each team were to test positive? Can you imagine that? What if it was like the, the night of game five and a positive test came down? That, that would kind of be a, a bad scenario for the NBA as well. But I think Adam Silver, if you told him right now, we'll make it all the way to game five of an NBA final, he'd probably sign up for that. Bomani Jones of ESPN joined the OG to talk about the NBA in the bubble. 
the NBA believes that they are going to be able to do this. I don't. I, it seems unlikely to me, but if they can do it safely, they have to try. And any individual who decides that they don't want to do it, I think is making a decision that they should make, and I got no problem with it. But I really don't have a problem with the league doing this because if they don't, man, wait till you see what those salary cap numbers are going to look like, like how this is going to affect the bottom line for the players and the bottom line for the owners. They, Everybody, I think, has an obligation to each other to try, but what's it going to take for them to stop? It's like how, like once people are in the bubble and somebody tests positive, how many people within it, like what, what kind of outbreak do they have to have in order for them to make them shut it down? I'm very curious about that. Joe Gillio posed this question to Bomani. Does it give you any hope um, or is it a completely different comparison that they've had single site tournaments in Spain and Germany and they've made them work in basketball uh, with the only caveat being they, they've had fewer teams there? It does encourage the the counterpoint of it is um, these other places don't appear to be nations full of morons. Um, <laughs> our our problem that we seem to have here is that we are a nation full of morons. And so I don't know which moron or what collection or cluster of morons could possibly mess this up. But the problem that we have here is American morons. Bomani is confused as to why people don't wear masks. Like it, it's the it's the biggest struggle in the world for me. Like there's so much stuff out here to indicate how much benefit is done by people just wearing masks. I guess, and I think part of it is that people don't grasp the idea that the that the reason to wear the mask is not to stop you from catching it, but to stop you from spreading it, and how entirely possible it is that you might have it and you don't know it. I'm just amazed at this point has not been conveyed. Bomani also talks about the decision made by Morehouse College, a Division II school down in Atlanta, to cancel its football season due to coronavirus concerns. I feel like hearing that from them tells me that that conference is probably not going to play. They're not going to be the last on this um, to, to have this happen. And so, yeah, you're right. The TV stuff is very important when we start talking about the larger schools. They got a different calculus on what they got to figure out. Like, this does not cost Morehouse the same amount of money to to do this as it does other places. Bomani points out something to really watch out for. But what has to worry people on some level is Morehouse has one of the larger endowments of a of any of the black colleges. Now, it is not a public school, so there are some financial limitations in that regard. But if that school is deciding that they need to shut this down, they're not going to be the last ones. And so it's going to be less about whether every school decides they're going to shut down, but like how many important schools to a conference or whatever it is shut down and how that affects everybody else. Like to me, in um in big-time college football, for lack of a better term, the domino to watch is Michigan because they got enough cash to miss a football season and they just hoity-toity enough to say that they're too good to try to do this. And if Michigan were to stop playing, that could shut down the whole Big Ten. You've been listening to The Stuff You Missed, Best of 99.9 The Fan Podcast with host Dennis Cox. Don't forget, there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and TuneIn. This podcast also airs every weeknight at 6.30 after Adam and Joe on 99.9 The Fan. 